The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Just a fade route over Nick Van Hoos, the corner for Northwestern. Second receiving touchdown of the year for Tavon Smith. The junior out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Iowa, a tremendous first half here in Iowa City. Hello everyone, this is John Patchett and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. We have our weekly Reporters Notebook podcast, this week featuring Scott Docterman who looks back at the Hawks' dominating win over the Northwestern Wildcats, previews the Minnesota game, and talks Big Ten. You'll also hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kurt Ferentz and Minnesota's Jerry Kill. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include sports reporter Scott Docterman of the Gazette and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times, and KGYM's Tyler Chumeland. The Iowa Northwestern game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Eric Collins and Chuck Long. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who was asked how the Hawkeyes will try to stop Minnesota's vaunted running game. Yeah, you just you can't load up. I mean, because if you do, they're going to throw the ball down the field on you, and they do a good job that way. It's a, a well-conceived offense, fits their players, and probably the good news is this thing may take me. You know, I might go pretty quickly, you know, so uh, that's a good thing. But, uh, you know, they're, just, they're a, a good football team. They look a lot like they have in the last couple of years. The biggest difference is they're more veteran now. They're a lot more. Uh, experience. They're older, physical guys, and you know they run the ball with great success. Uh, their running backs done a tremendous job. The quarterback's a really good runner, and he can hurt you with his arm as well. So it's it's a little bit of a different challenge. You know, it seems like every week you got a little something different, and this one certainly is, is a different one in itself. Ferentz talks about offensive lineman Brandon Sheriff being named a finalist for the prestigious Lombardi Award. You know, this is that season, I guess, where they start paring things down a little bit, and uh, you know, had a lot of pro folks through already uh, what you do every year and we'll have plenty more coming but uh, you know that's that's the list kind of starts with Brandon he's just a tremendous football player and I think um, you know the fact that he came back for a fifth year tells you a lot about how he's built and how he's wired I think maybe even more so uh, what he went through after the Ball State game to you know, have a really challenging week health-wise and show up and play, not only play, but played very well the, the following Saturday. You know, it's just, there aren't a lot of guys that, that are playing that do that. And then on top of it, he's a really good football player. So, yeah, you know, I got to think, and I, I don't know, those are all very subjective awards uh, when it comes to grading linemen. But, uh, you know, with all due respect, there's a lot of good players out there, but he's, he's right there at the, the front of the class with the great ones that we've had. And, you know, it's, uh, we've had some guys recent years do pretty well. Going back to gallery, one in the outland, but you think about a couple guys in the NFC Central right now are starting to tackle, and you know we've 
Marshall Yond is, I just read something where he got voted the best lineman in the league. I don't know what pull it was. It might have been his mom's pull. I don't know. But uh, anyway, so we, we've had some guys that have played pretty well, and Brandon's got a lot of the, the best of all those guys. So it's uh, it's just really nice to have him on our football team, and we're, we're enjoying that. Kirk was questioned about the focus of his team during the bye week following the loss at Maryland. Yeah, the biggest thing was... Uh, you know, I know you guys get tired of hearing me say it. You know, I just keep going back to execution. But to me, it was as simple as the three things I kept harping on or, you know, uh, mentioning vocalizing uh, with, with publicly and, and uh, you know, behind closed doors. Uh, you know, it's just hard to be a good football team if you don't tackle well. And, uh, you know, if, if you have a lot of self-inflicted wounds, major penalties, and then if you turn the ball over, I mean, you do those three things in any conference game, and it's, it's not realistic to think that you're going to win. So, you know, we tackled a little bit better Saturday, and that was good to see. You know, we still have some room for improvement there. Uh, our ball security was much better. You know, again, just avoiding those. And I, I say penalties, uh, negative yardage plays offensively too or it's just you put yourself in under a lot of pressure when you get those things and you know when you got an eraser uh, a guy who can run down the field or you know make four guys miss uh, with the ball in his, his arm. That's a little different deal, but you know, we're typically not wired that way. So for us, it, execution is really important, whether it's a run pass, you know, whatever it may be. And Kirk talks about the outstanding play of defensive lineman Louis Trinka-Passat. You know, Louis is another guy that just, you know, you, you got to really be happy for him uh, to get recognized by the conference. It was was really uh, tremendous. And, you know, he, he's a guy who uh, was undersized like a lot of the guys we recruit. You know, we thought he had the right attributes mentally and, and uh, uh, he sure does. You know, he just works extremely hard. He's got great pride. Really, really, I don't know if we got anybody that's more mentally tough than him. And, you know, to see him uh, continue to play the way he has played, you know, and really it, he kind of got his, uh, he got thrown around pretty good in 2012, like a lot of young guys do. But uh, it's been going the other direction the last two years. You know, he's just as a guy lines up and competes. And, you know, you better bring your uh, bring your lunch bucket if you're going to play with him because he's, he's that kind of guy. And so it's just, it's really, he's one of our uh, strongest team leaders, just a really totally invested guy. Next, we hear from Minnesota head coach Jerry Kill, who was asked about the development of Iowa's defense this season. Well, I think their team's always been that. If you follow Iowa in the past, is that they always are a football team that gets better. You know, everybody says things, and all of a sudden, they just keep going in the direction. So I think that's the nature of who they are and uh, the job coach does. Uh, but uh, from a defensive standpoint, they, they've got two. Uh, they've got, their defensive line is very, very good, and uh, their two D tackles down the middle uh, make, them, make them special. I mean, they those guys are hard to handle and not very many people have handled them and uh, you know they're playing young linebackers and they've gotten better each week just like some of our freshmen have gotten better there's things they do that they just do a great job of scheme wise and coaching uh, that uh, makes them good but it's also the strength and the size but that's who Iowa's been for a long time. Kill was asked about Iowa's inconsistency in games this year. You know as coaches I think that's how things go sometimes and when you're dealing with young people and and so forth you know you get on a roll you get confidence and you know I was always done that I mean they've always you know and they've gotten better as the year goes on a quarterbacks playing at a you know very high level and and um, you know they're a team that always seems to get better as the year goes everybody starts to question and then and they roll it off and all of a sudden they got nine ten wins I mean that's and uh, that's a credit to their coaching staff they just stay with what they do they don't panic they don't listen to anybody outside they just keep doing what they do and
different. Their, ki- their kids believe in what they're doing. You know, you can watch that by film. Gill talks about the improvement of his starting quarterback, Mitch Leidner. Mitch will be the first one to tell you. He's got a lot of room to improve. You know, all our guys got a lot of room to improve. You know, we certainly don't want to take any steps back, but, you know, he, he's certainly, you know, moving forward. But, you know, we all get, including myself, you know, I'm, I've been for 31 years, and I'd hope to think I'm going to be better as it goes and, and keep getting better. But, uh, you know, where he's at right now and where he's going to be, I think there's a huge difference, just like a rookie going into the NFL. You know, you got young man right here in our hometown, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. You know, he's they're going to bring him along. Got great offensive coordinator, but you know it takes it takes time. There's ups and downs and so forth, and you know that kid's going to be a, a great player. I mean, great player, but it's going to take time. And it's and there's a lot of room. I'm sure Coach State improved there, and we still got a lot of room to prove. You know, with Mitch as we go. And Kill was asked how his team is approaching the home stretch and its schedule, where it faces the other three Big Ten West contenders plus Ohio State. Don't really think about it, because you know, I mean, it's it. Didn't, I mean, we got schedule a long time ago. We knew we talked to our kids about it and and that's that's the way it is so I mean all we do is you know concentrate and you literally we you know is this this game is a rivalry game it means a ton to our state it means a ton to our university where we're at right now you know it's it's a big game and so I I think that you you literally concentrate on that and then you go to the next one and you know as you look through you know we played TCU who I think ranked sixth or seventh in the country you know so we've we all we all knew we had tough schedule to start so we just take them one at a time and I think our kids understand that. Chris Cradone, he's been busier than he would have liked to have been here in the first quarter. Punt it away. the greatest first quarter in the last 25 years for the Iowa Hawkeyes. The trifecta, the block by Neiman, the recovery by Neiman, and the touchdown by Neiman. The true freshman from Sycamore, Illinois, having a day. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Time now for our weekly Reporter's Notebook show, this week featuring Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles in the Gazette and online at gazette.com and in his blog, Doc's Office. You can also follow Scott on Twitter, at Scott Docterman. Scott looks back at the Northwestern game, previews Minnesota, reports on the Big Ten, and more. Scott, before we turn the page to Minnesota, one more look back at the dominating win over Northwestern after the litany of problems that seemed to be apparent in the loss at Maryland. The Hawkeyes came back strong last Saturday, probably Jake Rudock's best game as a quarterback, an impressive debut by redshirt freshman running back Akram Wadley, who's Iowa's first 100-yard rusher this season, and if you had him in the pool, good for you. You probably made a lot of money. Perhaps a breakout game by Iowa's wide receivers as a group, and 
maybe the best play so far this year of Iowa's offensive and defensive lines. Yeah, it was a full, complete team effort uh, in a complete domination of Northwestern. It was a game that I did not expect that to happen at all based on what we've seen from Northwestern. Uh, when Iowa took an early 10 to nothing lead, I thought, okay, well, Northwestern has Iowa right where they want them. On years past, Iowa, five out of the last six years, Iowa's had a, a double-digit lead, and, and in three of those games, Iowa lost, and then when one other one went to overtime. So it was not a surprise Iowa got off to a good start, but the way Iowa continued to fight and punish the Wildcats was something that I had not seen in a long time, either from this team or against that team. So I think first and foremost, what you look at is uh, the run-pass ratio. You're looking at almost two to one rushing to, to passing, and if you're Iowa and you get that ratio, you're going to win almost every time. Uh, you look at the success that they had in the running game. As you mentioned, Akram Wadley had a terrific opener. 15 carries, 106 yards. I mean, who would have expected that out of anybody, let alone him? And then, of course, Mark Wiseman pounds for three uh, touchdowns, physical running back, and was able to do it. And, and you look at the way that offensive line dominated at the point of attack. That was just pure Ferentz ball, and the fullback was able to get a lot of good blocks, too, to, to spring Wiseman on those touchdowns. So the passing game was crisp. They were able to use play action, which worked uh, to a T. They went against tendency in their play calling, which allowed for some big plays in some non-traditional situations. And then you look defensively, defensive line dominated. The uh, the, the, the secondary was able to play straight man and, and cover Northwestern like a glove. I mean, this was a, a full and complete win, as I've seen Iowa have in a long, long time against a decent opponent, probably since 2010 when they buried Michigan State for its only loss in the regular season. So uh, is this something to build on? I think so. And uh, coming down the stretch, I think this is uh, this serves notice that Iowa is at least capable of a performance like this. Yeah, the question now is, is that the real Iowa team we're going to see in the next four weeks? It was funny up in the press box Saturday, offensively speaking, it was almost like Ken O'Keefe came back for a day to do the game plan and the play calling. And then, of course, that led to probably the funniest question of the year in a Kirk Ferentz press conference uh, at the end on last Tuesday where they asked if Greg Davis was really calling the plays. Yeah, he really calling the plays. And, <laughs> and his quip was, uh, this past weekend you're talking about and uh, was it someone from up above calling the plays and then he just pointed up to the heavens and, and it's a Rosie the fortune teller so uh, I mean yeah it was a differently called game and Iowa played closer to what it used to under Ken O'Keefe a, a traditional style of football which you're running big routes across the middle um, not really taking short passing game there was a little bit of that but not much it was really um, it was very interesting game plan I mean it was one that they executed flawlessly and uh, you I'm interested in knowing if they how they carry this through going forward. Uh, you know, a team like Minnesota, it might be a similar type of style that, that would work. But then a few other teams, you know, say like uh, Wisconsin, it may be a little bit more of a struggle to go with that route. Focusing now on the Minnesota game, it's the annual battle for the bronze pig, Floyd of Rosedale. Both teams come in with identical records this season, 6-2 and two overall, 3-1 and one in the conference. Both teams are already bowl eligible, two of the seven Big Ten teams that are. Minnesota holds a series advantage, 61-44-2. Iowa's playing four of the last five games now with this weekend's game in Minneapolis, which is one of those odd Big Ten scheduling anomalies. The Hawkeyes have won the last two and kept Floyd in Iowa City. Last season, it was kind of a surprising 23-7 route at Minnesota's homecoming. Jerry Kills in his fourth season up there. He's got a 23-23 record with Minnesota, but it's the third straight season he's made them bowl eligible. It's two teams that are filling 
philosophically similar, even if schematically somewhat different. Yeah, they both have a similar philosophy and how they want to get the job done, and that is they want to run the football and be physical at the point of attack, swarm to the football on defense, and uh, passing is um, usually kind of secondary. And then I think that's the way you want to build things up here in the north. Uh, Minnesota, when it, had, when it opened the new stadium, you had uh, you know a couple of different styles of football under Tim Brewster, and Jerry Kills brought back more of an old-school style, which I think will work well and serve them well long-term. Um, as you mentioned, last year, um, Iowa went up there as a slight underdog. I believe they were 3-1, and one, and Minnesota was 4-0. Oh, and then Iowa outgained Minnesota by almost 300 yards. It was a, a physical butt-whipping. And in fact, I talked to a few Minnesota personnel uh, officials over the summer, and uh, they admitted that going into that game, they thought that they were pretty good. They were kind of pounding their chest, and they limped back to the locker room after the game and knew they had a long way to go before they could really call themselves any kind of tough-type team. So now that said, Minnesota has won seven out of its last ten Big Ten games. They've beaten teams like Michigan and Penn State, Nebraska along the way. So they, they have developed a lot more confidence. They're better at what they're trying to do than they were a year ago. But they have some question marks, some major question marks, and I think those have been shown up a couple of times this year, and, uh, and specifically at Illinois, uh, losing to a team that hadn't won a Big Ten game and has been floundering for a long, long time. To lose on the road like that shows me that this team is still not quite ready for prime time. They're not ready to enjoy that kind of level of success and sustain it. So the passing game is a, is a problem for Minnesota, but these teams do match up when it comes to the running game, and we're expecting a cold-weather game, so I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Well, Minnesota's coming off its second bye week. Once again, Iowa facing a team that has a bye. You mentioned the bad loss at Illinois. We're at the point in this season now where the loser's probably out of the Big Ten West race, and you can say that almost every week the rest of the year. Minnesota's offense, even though theoretically they say they're striving to be more balanced this year than they have been in the past, they're still very run-heavy under kill. Uh, This season, 366 rushes, only 151 passes, led by the third-largest quarterback in the Big Ten, Mitch Leidner at 6'4", 237. uh, Mitch Leidner is is kind of a tight end or a tree trunk that's uh, at quarterback. You know, a very tall, physical guy. He's a little bit different. I talked to some big, uh, some Iowa players about facing him. He's, he's your dual threat guy, but he's not traditional. He is very physical to, to bring down. So if you're out one-on-one, if he gets past the, the line of scrimmage, he is a tough guy to tackle. So they have to be cognizant of that. You know, it's almost like tackling, again, a tight end running up the field. So, uh, But this passing game, you look at, at what they bring, they are last in the Big Ten, and, it, and it's really kind of not close. I mean, they, they have uh, only a little over 1,100 yards passing. They complete less than 50% of their passes. They have the same amount of touchdowns to interceptions. So they are fairly one-dimensional. The one, the one way that it helps them in uh, in this game is, is when they can play action pass off that, which they are fairly successful in doing. Uh, they do have a very good running game. They have a great running back in David Cobb, and they have a veteran offensive line, so they're capable of doing that. However, against a team like Iowa that likes to defend downhill running schemes, they're going to struggle at times with that. And whether or not they, they could pass, I'm sure Iowa is going to be set up in a primarily man-type defense, especially on the perimeter, to avoid uh, you know, having to, to play zone and, and enabling linemen and linebackers to be close to the line of scrimmage. So the, the matchup is, is not quite favorable for Minnesota unless they can break open in the passing game. And statistically, and, and pass performance suggests that they 
struggle in that. If you play in the Big Ten, it seems like every weekend you're facing another terrific running back, and that's certainly true this week for the Hawkeyes. You talked about David Cobb. He's in the old-school way what you call a workhorse. He's already had 211 rushing attempts this year. He's got over 1,100 rushing yards on the ground, seven touchdowns. He has two 200-yard rushing games this season, and he's responsible for nearly 40% of Minnesota's total offense. Yeah, he's a, he's a workhorse. He's from Killeen, Texas. He was a guy that was on the bench last year until injuries kind of forced him into the lineup, and then he's taken off. And, and really, that's where you've seen Minnesota's identity grow over the last year and a half or so, that once David Cobb was inserted, once they decided to really hammer uh, in the running game, he has produced and produced it very effectively. I mean, he averages almost five and a half yards a carry. He's probably the best underrated running back you'll find in the Big Ten. And, uh, you know, seven touchdowns, as you mentioned. He is he is what triggers their attack. They've got a couple of other good guys uh, behind him. You know, Berkeley Edwards, who Iowa sought in recruiting, uh, has a couple of touchdowns. He's a faster guy, but, but really David Cobb makes his offense go. And, and that's the one player, if Iowa, if Iowa can contain him, I think they have a very good chance of containing the whole team. You talked about Minnesota being last in the Big Ten and passing, but when Leitner does look to pass, he often looks at their, they have a nice tight end, Max Williams. He leads uh, Minnesota with 280 receiving yards, 17 receptions, 4 TDs. He's a, he's a big guy. His dad played uh, center for the New York Giants for 11 years. He's got 17 receptions, almost double the next highest total, 4 touchdowns. He's only a sophomore, and he's a guy that Iowa looked at pretty strongly early on in the recruiting process, but he quickly uh, committed to the Gophers. Uh, he's a big physical tight end. He's a guy that Iowa would love to have. I mean, he fits an Iowa tight end to a T. So he's a, he's a disadvantage in a lot of cases for Iowa in the past, uh, in past defense uh, because their safeties aren't quite as big to match up with him, and uh, he's quicker than most of their linebackers. So he's a guy they have to be cognizant of, but what Jordan Lomax said about him was that what they really like to do is play action pass and have him throw run wheel routes out in the flat and then up. That's a that's a type of, of uh, route that takes time to develop, but uh, and as a big guy, if he gets one-on-one with a smaller defensive back, he can obviously can have a pretty good effort against and usually pull it down, but it does take time to do that, and Iowa's defensive line has shown over the last few weeks that they can get to the quarterback, and so unless they can really sell the play fakes and get him deep pretty quickly, I think that he, they might struggle in that one. Talked about Minnesota being last in Big Ten and passing offense. Well, Iowa's defense is first in passing defense in terms of passing yards per game. They really look like, other than the Maryland game, which seemed just off in so many different ways, certainly they came back with a swarming style of defense against the Wildcats, all those sacks and all those tackles for loss. So how do you think Iowa's defense is going to match up against what Minnesota will try to do offensively, picking up more on what you said about stopping the run? I think this is a, a, a good style for Iowa. What they have struggled with this year, especially, is zone-type schemes that get around the perimeter, and uh, you know, a lot of times that comes in the play-action fakes by the quarterbacks. Now, as I mentioned, Mitch Leitner is a different kind of quarterback, so uh, you don't have to contend with the quick-twitch burst that you do with some other guys, even a C.J. Brown, who's probably not quite as fast as a Kane Coulter type 
shape or anybody like that. But so I think right now they're more of a downhill style, and that's where Iowa's always been de- uh, fitted to defend. Now, you know, uh, only a couple of weeks ago they had given up 300 yards against Indiana and 200 plus against Maryland. So they really ratcheted it down. They seem to have better run fits. They were hitting better angles, and their defensive line was dominating on the point of attack. It's going to be mono a mono up front for Iowa against Minnesota because again this is a veteran offensive line, very physical, big. It's probably practice against Wisconsin. So Iowa has to, to maintain its gap discipline and then its linebackers have to flow to the ball and not overreach. If they can do that, they will be able to contain the running game. If they don't, they can get blasted off the line of scrimmage because Minnesota's done a good job against other teams. So at this point what I think Iowa just needs to do is play traditional style of defense. What we've used or what we're used to is bend but don't break. But the way their defensive tackles are playing and defensive end uh, Drew Ott, I think they're in good position as long as, as uh, the linebackers flow to the ball and, and use good angles and technique. Um, I think they can contain and not get blown up too many times in the run game. After this break, Scott looks at the matchup between Iowa's offense and Minnesota's defense, the team's special teams, and the Big Ten division races. Weissman. in the red zone, his third rushing touchdown of this first half. Off tackle, outside zone play, off, this time over Andrew Donnell. Good balance going right and left for the Iowa offense. 54 seconds remaining in our first half. Mark Weissman closing in on 100 yards. He's already got three Hawkeye touchdowns. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and you can make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com. Go to the News and Events section and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette and the Quad City Times. Looking at Minnesota's defense, very tough physical. They're allowing only 22.3 points per game. Total defense is at 352 yards per game. They're plus five in a turnover margin. And their key player seems to be their linebacker, Damian Wilson. Yeah, Damian Wilson's a junior college guy out of Jones County, Mississippi Community College. He's second in the Big Ten in tackles. He was a bigger, more physical player last year. He's dropped some weight that's allowed him to be quicker, but he's still very explosive and and has good uh, instincts in getting into the ball. one of the things, though, with, with Minnesota is they've, they've had a really good defensive line the last couple of years. That You know, they're very aggressive. They got to the quarterback a lot against Michigan, and we saw that with uh, some really big hits. They are built to can stop and contain the run. They've got good defensive backs. They're one of the, uh, they're a team that can really pressure the ball. They can get to it. You've got to be careful in how you pass, and it's going to be a cold weather day, so you've got to be extra careful. But, you know, for, as far as from sacks goes, they're ranked, they're tied for last in the Big Ten. 
10 with only 14. So they don't quite get to the quarterback as much as they did last year on that or Sheedy Hageman. But this is still a very physical unit built to stop the run. So Iowa's going to have to establish the running game. So it's a battle of wills up front. If Iowa can do that and uh, and do some play and get its play action passing going like it did last week, I think it'll have some success. If not, if it's just standing back and throwing because they're not averaging you know, more than a couple of yards a carry, then I think they have some challenges because Minnesota is pretty good in pass defense. Kill calls his, uh, his defensive secondary maybe the most talented unit he has on the field up there. Iowa's offense has now scored 30 or more points in three consecutive Big Ten games. Their season high last week versus um, Northwestern was 48. Stunningly, for most people probably. it's They lead the Big Ten in passing yards per game at 260.8. Jake Rudock, Mark Wiseman, Cavante Martin-Manley are all climbing the Iowa career charts at a pretty rapid rate right now. Yeah, you got Cavante Martin-Manley who's only 15 away from Terrell, from tying Darrell Johnson Koulianos in all-time receptions and you know now he's a ways off in yards because a lot of his passes haven't been very explosive for catches. Uh, but this passing offense is coming around. Now, you know, one of the things, it kind of belies the productivity in some respects because, you know, they, they were able to, to do some nice things in Big Ten play against Purdue and Indiana. Maryland, well, they threw the ball 56 times, so they're going to get some yards. They, they got some points at the end, so that's not Iowa football, and I, I don't think that's probably a healthy number for Iowa right now. Now, yards per game, that's fine, but it's attempts per game, which I think will give them problems, and, you know, when you're throwing the ball, you know, on average between 35 and 40 yards a game, you're going to struggle long-term especially in colder weather against better opponents, which at least three out of the four this month are pretty good. So I like the way Jake Rudock commanded the game the other day because he was accurate. His play fakes were, were exceptional, and he seemed to get Iowa into good run fits. So uh, by and large, it was a well-played, well-executed game by the quarterbacks, but he does have to be a little bit concerned not to leave his he, – he's a little behind on a few passes, specifically you know the flea flicker, which actually he got a bad flick from Mark Wiseman. He, he's got to make sure to lead his, his receiver a little bit more because Minnesota does have defensive backs that can recover fairly quickly and that could uh, lead, go from a straight good play to a bad one very quickly. Well, versus Northwestern and that's probably, it's fair to say, the beginning of the stretch run here. And all season long, people were saying, where's Iowa's 100-yard rusher and why isn't Weissman getting more carries versus Ferentz saying it was a deliberate effort to keep him more healthy so he was really ready to go down the stretch. So you saw a narrowing of the people carrying the ball, although in part because of injury, you saw Wadley really emerge as a guy with speed who can get to the outside and then outrun people. If I'm Jordan Kenzeri watching that game, I'm going to try to get healthier a lot quicker than maybe would otherwise be the case. You also saw a narrowing of the people who were receiving passes. All season long, Iowa spread the ball around a lot, but last weekend, especially with the wide receivers, uh, after they have a player leave the team, it seems like they kind of regrouped and became even better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, when you look at the running game with Mark Wiseman, um, you know, he's he's he said that he's at his freshest and healthiest than he's been, you know, throughout his career. And then that looks, and on the surface of it, it looks good. I, I still question going back to Maryland if that was the right thing to do. They had opportunities to run the ball, and they, they went in a different direction. So, it, you know, Kirk will never call out an offensive coordinator, but, you know, he kind of called out, the he said the performance was, 
if uh, we got to throw the ball 56 times, you know, that's not a lot of success for Iowa football. So they can't really do that. So I, I think getting Mark Wiseman the ball, this is his money time. I mean, this is his last month of his college football career. You want to have your best players run the football. And for Iowa, that's doing that right now. Uh, what I saw at Akram Wadley is, is that just absolutely necessary number two back. Iowa's needed that for a long, long time, a complimentary piece. Jordan Canzeri has a complimentary skill set, but he hasn't been healthy almost the whole year. He was injured in training camp. He's been trying to keep things together, but then he injured at a heel. I think it was against Iowa State, and then another time it was at ankle. So he's had a, he struggled to stay on the field. And then you look at LaShawn Daniels, and he's had surgery on a foot, and he's out for the rest of the regular season. And Damon Bullock has a, a good role as a third down back, but as a running back, he's really struggled. So And then even the other day, you had Jonathan Parker, who uh, was injured on um, the return in the kickoff. So Iowa's <laughs> airbag is, is slowly descending back on Iowa here, but Akram Wadley came up. I mean, th- there's been a lot of discussion about who he reminds you of, and I would go with Damian Sims. You know, he's a little bit small. He's very quick, uh, agile, and fast, and, and can do a lot of good things. He said his, his uh, hero is LaShawn McCoy, so uh, who Iowa did play against, oddly enough, six years ago. So I, I think he's, uh, you know, I think for Iowa purposes, if he can produce in similar fashion here on Saturday as a complimentary piece to Mark Wiseman, I think you want to keep those two in and everybody else, you know, I hope your feelings don't get hurt, but it's about winning football games. And if Akram Wadley can do that, well, then he's the guy. Greg Davis said from day one his priority was to recruit more speed, which Iowa was seriously lacking at the time. I think if you're an Iowa fan, you're wanting to see a couple of formations where you have Wadley at running back, maybe Jonathan Parker in the slot, and DeMond Powell outside. That can stress defenses pretty significantly. You know, John, maybe you should be the offensive coordinator with that plan. That sounds like a really good one. <laughs> the other day, they had a, the formation, which is a, what they ran the jet sweep out of, and that that's what uh, Jonathan Parker scored on against uh, Indiana. And then they had a false start when he went in motion. So everybody in America knew what was coming at that point. So they never tried it again. And Jonathan Parker was a little bit dinged up, so he didn't get to play. No secret, especially when Parker and Powell are on the field, that they change the game. Whenever Powell takes the field, and I'm calling out which the, what the personnel grouping is to my colleague Mark Morehouse, immediately I'm like, okay, Powell's on the field. Because you have to be cognizant of what he can do. Last year, he changed the tenor of the game against Minnesota with a, I believe it was like an 80-yard touchdown pass on a simple jet screen and it went, I think that put Iowa up 17 to nothing in the second quarter. So he did, uh, he changes ball games and he has in the past. Now, uh, you know, Jonathan Parker has done the same thing and he will continue to do the same thing. But if you, if you put all three of those guys on the field at the same time, it could be electric. And I want to see him run out of it traditionally a couple of times. That will make it that much more effective. Before we get your prediction, let's talk a minute about about special teams. Kirk Ferentz says this may be the best special teams Iowa has faced all year up at Minnesota. That's saying a lot because there's been some pretty good ones. However, Iowa actually leads the Big Ten in kickoff returns and kickoff coverage. Parker's done a great job back there returning. A lot of the coverage success is related to Marshall Keene's ability to uh, deep kickoff and a lot of touchbacks. Minnesota has a phenomenal punter. Special teams, as is often the case, could be absolutely critical in this game, especially in cold weather. Absolutely. I mean, field position is one of the hidden statistical gems in what decides football games because, you're, you know, when a difference between a, an average punt and a good punt is one more first down for the opposing team. So if you get the ball to 20 instead of the 30, you've got to go 10 more yards, and that's 
much more difficult to do, especially, as you mentioned, in weather and against a good opponent. So it's going to be a challenge for Iowa in when it comes to returning punts. Iowa, to, uh, at least this year and in a lot of years, they've uh, avoided returning punts at all, just secure the ball and, and move on from there. And as you mentioned, Peter Mortel is one of the best in the country at punting. I think the real key matchup for Iowa is to avoid any kind of major returns, either in punt or kickoff for Minnesota, because I think that's the X factor to this game. Minnesota beat Northwestern on a uh, 100-yard kickoff return from Jalen Myrick, the fastest player on the team. If Marshall Kane can can get a touchback on every kick, you do it. Otherwise, you may be better off squibbing it, because if they can get going, and again, Iowa, as much as it's been terrific in kickoff coverage, hasn't had to, to face that often that many times, uh, you know, a kick returner coming down the pike. So it might suit them better to, to just kind of limit the returns to, you know, even if they give up the ball to 31, it's better than, <laughs> say, pass midfield or beyond. So I think that's a critical area for Iowa. If all things being equal, I think Iowa's a better team, but, but special teams can often flip the field, flip the momentum, especially in a, in a somewhat hostile environment at CCF Bank Stadium. So it's time for you to tell us where you think Floyd is going to spend the winter. I think Floyd is going to stay, stay one more year in Iowa City here. I think Iowa is a much more balanced football team than Minnesota. You think you look at Minnesota's trend lately. They lost Illinois. They barely beat Purdue. They are they, they beat a bad Michigan team at that time that was reeling for a lot of reasons. Minnesota's fairly one-dimensional on offense. An excellent running back. He's the best running back on the field. Big offensive line, tough, rugged, but Iowa can match that. And I think Iowa in the passing game is just diverse enough and can go up the field enough with a now a veteran quarterback that I don't think they're going to have as many mishaps as they may have earlier in the year or certainly last year. So I look for Iowa to contain David Cobb. I look for them to be able to move the ball effectively at times, get to a good lead, and I think they'll be able to run the ball effectively, which will be the most important part of it. Minnesota's going to hit on a big play or two, I think, in the kicking game and maybe once on offense, but it's not going to be nearly enough. I look for Iowa to win 23-10 to and retain Floyd Rosedale one more year. Closing out here, quick look at the Big Ten. Very exciting race going on here in the West Division with Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Minnesota essentially tied. They all play each other over the next four weeks, beginning this Saturday with the Hawks game at Minnesota. The losers in each of those games drop from contention. None of those four teams are likely to be even remotely in the discussion of the four-team playoffs at the end of the season. The only two teams from the Big Ten that have a chance at that are playing this weekend in East Lansing when Michigan State hosts Ohio State. Winner of that probably goes to the Big Ten title game from the East. Yeah, I mean, I really like this little round robin going on in the Big Ten West right now. I mean, you're looking at four teams that really want to play each other. I mean, we've all we know how the history between Iowa and Minnesota and Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa, Wisconsin. I mean, those three always played each other under the old system, and then that little mishap with Iowa, Wisconsin, really really burned a lot of people on both sides the wrong way. Nebraska, when it joined the Big Ten, it chose it. Uh, the Big Ten wanted it to become a rival with Iowa, which it certainly is growing that way. Nebraska requested to play Minnesota because of the proximity for its fans. And then uh, it's developed a nice little series so far with Wisconsin. And you've got the Barry Alvarez factor. Sean Eichhorst, the, the AD at uh, Nebraska, is a Wisconsin grad. So uh, they've got a lot of, you know, their color scheme. They've got a lot of interest in each other, too. So I think right now this is about as best of a scenario as you can get in the Big Ten, where you've got the four best teams all playing each other to close out the season. You know, I think it could go any way. Um, I, I think Iowa has a chance 
to, to get there. They're playing the two key contenders, Wisconsin and Nebraska at home. You've got Wisconsin who hosts uh, Nebraska, and then Nebraska has a bye right now before they go to Wisconsin. So I think you're looking at uh, you know a really good round robin, and I think that's the best thing for the Big Ten. In the East, that's a really a slobber knocker on Saturday night. I mean, both teams, they played for the Big Ten title last year on the old legends and leaders. So uh, now I wouldn't quite go so far to say Nebraska is completely out of the playoff. They are ranked in the top 15 and they've got the opportunity to, you know, if they win out and then say beat either Michigan State or Ohio State, they've got the chance to sneak in. But it's probably a really tough climb. But I do think if the winner of the East wins out, that they will be in the 14 playoff. So the Big Ten has played a little bit better, I think, over the last month and a half than they did early in the season. But until they win and win decisively in some bowl games and get some key competitions, I think right now they're still going to be kind of looked upon as a as an overrated conference, uh, you know, until they can actually start proving it on the football field. Bacon, gotta be bacon. Only one thing smells like bacon. That's bacon. Bacon, 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 bacon. Chewy, yummy, smoky bacon. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. No, 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 no. It's bacon. Pat Fitzgerald's Northwestern Wildcats normally put a really good fight up against the Iowa Hawkeyes, but not today. It was all Iowa from the beginning of the game to the end. They pick up a much needed win. Congratulations to the Iowa Hawkeyes. They moved to three and one in Big Ten play. They beat Northwestern 48 to seven. 483 yards of total offense for the Hawkeyes. The special teams was terrific as well. Our thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week. And as always, thanks to Scott Docterman. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast that you'll come back for more. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.